Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Oh, that was, that was robust. <laughs> I like that, y'all. My name is Brad Malden. I'm the community pastor here. I never get to do this. Uh, this is fun for me. Um, Chris is celebrating his wife's 50th birthday and a big adventure they've been waiting to do for a long time. And Ashley had an emergency come up with her family in Arkansas, and so she uh, had to drive out there. Um, so I'm excited to be here. Um, I will say this one thing. Um, the services no longer require registration um, from this Sunday on. So if you are one of those people who thought, man, registering and remembering to do that is annoying, guess what? This is a gift from the Lord today. <laughs> okay, you can be mad. So anyway, I'm very excited to do this. It's been years since I preached. So y'all, you get to roll with me on this one, right? It's exciting. All right, we're in Mark 5. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up. It says, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, this is uh, verse 21, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so he went with them. Then a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now, immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and he said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? And he looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people that came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And then he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. And he strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that your word would mean something new to us today. Lord, we do ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us to a deeper understanding of what healing looks like, Lord. A deeper appreciation of your presence with us as we walk and carry the things that we carry into this place this morning. God, we ask for your mercy and your grace, Lord, that your kingdom would come, Lord. Help us see you and your heart for us more clearly today, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. So, y'all, this is a long text. There's lots that you could say, but in the spirit of Chris McDaniel, four points. Okay? And we'll put them up on the screen and we'll be able to follow along here. The first point is this, that there are two very different characters who share something in common. The two characters, you got Jairus, who, as the text says, is a well-respected leader in his synagogue. And what that would have meant is that he was a person of respect and power and influence. He totally would have expected when he went to go see Jesus that Jesus would make space for him because of his influence, because of his sense of posture and power. The woman, in contrast, very different. The scripture tells us she was a woman suffering from hemorrhaging, a menstrual issue, which in Jewish culture at this particular moment would have been like a very, very bad thing for her. She would have been considered unclean to the culture and community around her. And so more or less, she would have lived a life of isolation. She would have lived a life in complete disconnection from her community, most likely probably one full of shame right, in the sense of being an outsider, being somebody who has to operate in the shadows. And the way she approaches Jesus is no surprise then, right? She doesn't go directly to Jesus. She goes kind of in as one of the crowd and says, even if I can get close to his cloak and I can touch it, maybe something good would happen. She operated in the shadows. These two people had drastically different experiences, power and prestige, somebody who lived a life of, in, in, of invisibility. But the beauty of the story is that we also see that they had something in common, right? They both knew what they needed. They needed healing, and they were willing to acknowledge their need. They were willing to put their need out in front of people. And you know, that's what need does. The thing I love about a particular reality of the story is it expresses such a truth that is common for all of us, right? Like the thing that we share in common, no matter what our power is, no matter what our influence is, or our wealth, or our professional status, or whatever it is, it usually buffers us from the reality of our limitations. What we know is we have an end, right? We all have limited capacity. We cannot control outcomes. We all at some point will reach a point where we know we cannot control the outcome of whatever it is in front of us. Whatever it is that's in front of us, we know eventually that we are going to come to a place where we hit a limit. We hit a ceiling. And that's what makes us human, right? In essence, every single person in this room, when we talk about needs, it levels the playing ground. What we realize is we stand shoulder to shoulder, side by side in this reality. It's what we all have in common. We cannot control our outcomes. We are all in need. And a story like this is so encouraging because what we see here is that God makes space for our needs, that God sees us in our needs. He made space for this woman. He made space for this man. He's going to make space for you and me. When we are honest with our needs, he is going to, say, he's going to see your need. And he's going to make space for you in your need. He's going to make space for us in our need. And the big question is why? Why does God do this? Why does God make space for our need? And that's point number two. It's because he's in the business of healing. This is what God does. He is the healer. This has been true from the very beginning, and it's true even up to this point, and will continue on into forever. God is in the business of healing. He's in the business of redeeming. He's in the business of taking the bent things in our lives and making them straight. He's in the business of taking the fragmented things and making them whole again. This is who he is. This is his story. This is what he longs to do, is to heal and to bring things back into wholeness. This is just simply who he is. He makes space for this man and this woman. He makes space for us because this is his life, right? Like Jesus says in the book of Mark, I didn't come to heal the healthy, but I came to heal the sick. He came to heal the sick, and that is you and me, y'all. It is so important that we keep this truth in the front of our brains because the reality is, is we don't. 
if we live with a different narrative than that one that God wants to heal and longs to heal, the things that we live in, the context that you and I live in, I'm sure there's some good things in our lives, right? But they don't seem to shape and form us in the same way as our hardships, the, th the sufferings that we face, the pain that we face, the violence that we face, the frustrations that we face, the rejections that we face. All of these things seen outside the prism of a God who longs to heal us start to bend us and start to shape us in such a way that we become permanently disfigured by it because we assume that God has no interest in making these things whole again. And we start to carry them in such a way that leaves us disfigured. And we start to carry a narrative in our minds that God is not interested in us, right? He's either distant or he's apathetic, or maybe even worse, that God may care, but he's incapable. That there's things that are going on in our lives that he just simply cannot heal, that he simply cannot make whole again. We start to believe the narrative that there's something beyond God's reach. Y'all, if there's anything you hear me say today and remember any of the things I say, I want you to remember this. There's absolutely nothing beyond God's redemptive reach. There's absolutely nothing that God does not long to heal and to make whole again. There's nothing beyond his reach. Our marriages, our broken relationships, our friendships, our families, our past that we bring to the table of people who were supposed to love us well and didn't, and instead they hurt us. The addictions that we carry, the realities of the brokenness that we carry and we feel imprisoned by or overpowered by, those are the very things that God longs to heal. He longs to touch. He longs to come close. He sees those things in us, and he longs to make them whole again. There is absolutely nothing beyond God's reach. He is in the business of healing. He is in the business of redeeming and making whole again. This is simply who he is. This is the story from the beginning, and it's going to be the story until the very end. Amen to that. That is the good news. That is the gospel in its purest form for us. You know that things were broken, and God wants to make them whole again. And the cool thing, I think, in this story that we see is the third point, that God invites us to participate in that healing process. God doesn't just snap his finger. He does something where he invites us to participate in that, to be a part of that healing process. Jairus, well, let me say this. Touching Jesus wasn't something that was probably magical, right? Like his, his cloak did not possess mystical, magical mojo, right? Like it wasn't this thing that just floated out there and all of a sudden things got healed. There was something that Jairus did. There was something this woman did that put them into a place to receive God's healing work, to see his healing work. And I think it can seem elusive to us, and I think really all they did was two very simple things. The first thing they did is they acknowledged their need. They acknowledged that they had a need. Jairus knew that he couldn't heal his daughter. The woman knew that she couldn't heal herself. They understood their limitations. They understood that they were in need of healing, and they were willing to say it. They were willing to actually say it out loud. They were willing to say it in front of large crowds of people. Y'all, we live in a culture that says the exact opposite. We live in a culture that says strength is actually not ever expressing your needs. Strength is not accepting your limitations. Strength is not ever saying that I have a limitation or a capacity that is beyond my abilities. And what we see here is that acknowledging your need is actually a step towards healing, it's a step towards wholeness. This man and this woman did that, and my question for us is, are we willing to do that? Are we even aware of our needs? Are we even in touch with our own stories to know the bent parts of our lives, the broken parts of our lives, y'all? Do we have any idea what those are? Do we have any idea of the parts in us that God wants to heal? Do we have any idea in our, uh, in our stories about the parts that God is longing to bring into wholeness? And y'all, that's the reality. We have to be in touch with our stories to understand what it is God wants to heal. 
We have to know our own stories to know exactly the work that God wants to do. He is not healing things in the abstract, right? Like he's not healing things that haven't happened. He's healing the past. He's healing the brokenness. He's healing the places that were lived apart from the Lord. And he wants to make those things whole again. But you and I have to be aware of those places. And the only way we're ever going to do that is reflective, right? Like only if we create space to hear and to know our own stories. It's the places of hurt that God wants to bring healing and so we have to go to the hurt in order to find healing. We have to be willing to go to those places of hurt in order to find healing. And we have to be aware of those. And the only way we're going to be aware is if we're still enough, if we're reflected enough to know our own stories. Now, I don't know if it's true for you. I know it is true for me. My biggest sin is self-sufficiency. Like, I believe that it's on me to figure things out. And that is just happening over and over again. In every relationship I have, friendship I have, every job I've ever had, that is like my common core sin that I hope to God will one day not be true. But somehow it continues to find its way into my reality. And I think it's because God is saying, I have some work to do in you. And I have to be honest about that. Not only what is, but where that came from, right? I have to understand that I didn't just like magically become that. I was shaped and formed into that type of person that God longs to redeem. He longs to make whole again. But I have to be in touch with that reality. And the only way I'm in touch with that reality is if I slow down. If I know my own story. But so often I'm like the other people in this crowd, right? Like you think it was a busy crowd and only two people received healing. And maybe there's more healing, I don't know. But the reality is I think a lot of people were present to this miraculous thing and had no idea. I think they were present to the goodness of God and they had no idea. They were just going to the market to get a potato and they didn't realize that like something amazing was taking place five feet from them. God was up to something miraculous. God's goodness was present to them and they had no idea because they probably weren't slowing down in any way, shape, or form. Y'all, we have to slow down. We have to create space. We have to create an opportunities for us to reflect and to understand our own stories and where we've come from because it's the places where we've come from that God longs to heal and to make whole again. So they understood their need, and thanks be to God for that. They understood exactly what they needed, but they also were bold in presenting their needs to Jesus. Jairus knew that he couldn't heal his daughter, but he was bold in going to Jesus and saying, I'm going to desperately put myself before you, Jesus, right? Like, he is a man of power and privilege and position. It's not dignifying to grovel on the ground in front of a grown man, right? Like, those are things that we don't do as grown-ups because we have to be strong. We think strong and strength leads to healing, and it's the exact opposite. This man of power and privilege and position put himself unabashedly in front of Jesus and said, I need something. And then he doubles down on his boldness. His daughter dies is what the word was, and he's like, well, you know, I could have easily just gone this way. But Jesus says, come with me a little bit further. And he was bold to follow Jesus into that space. It's one thing to ask Jesus to heal somebody who's not well. It's another thing to ask Jesus to raise somebody from the dead, right? Like it's a bold move to continue to follow Jesus into this space of hopelessness. And he was bold. And the woman is no different. This woman who had been carrying disease in her body for 12 years, a disease that had put her into a place of isolation and shame. She was disconnected from her people. Y'all, literally, it was sinful for her to be in public. It was sinful for people to come close to her in public. And so what does she do when she hears about Jesus? She takes a huge risk, and she puts herself out into the public space, and she goes, and she wants to come close to Jesus. The very thing she was not able or allowed to do, she did. That's bold. That's a huge risk. And then... And the, like, the great irony of God's narratives, what happens to her, right? 
Like she's called out for it. Not even in like a subtle way, right? Like, okay, who was that? Who did that? Like, I want somebody to stand up, please, right? Like, I know somebody in this room did something. That's so embarrassing, all the spotlight right on her in that particular moment for a woman who probably dealt with shame already. And yet her boldness keeps her standing put. She doesn't even just run away. She doesn't shrink back into the shadows again. No, she stands up and she says, it was me. And it's so cool, this interaction, right? She says, it was me, which is bold enough. But then she says, the whole truth is what it says, the story tells us. She got to tell the whole world, in her world, what it was that she carried, what it was that it was, what probably it was like to be somebody who carried the disease that she had. And then she got to talk about God's healing. She got to put her whole self out in front of people. And what does God say to her? Daughter, you can go in peace. Your faith has made you well. The beauty of being re received when we get to be vulnerable is something that all of us long for, right? Like the thing we all long for, whether you were really brave enough to admit it, is I want to be fully known and fully loved. I want people to know me exactly who I am and yet still look at me in the eyeballs and say, I love you no matter what. You are fully known and fully loved is the things we long to hear more than anything. And this woman got to taste a little bit of that, right? She got to be fully known in that space and fully loved by God. She received grace and mercy in that space. And that must have been an amazing thing to experience. And I know it's something that you and I long for right now. So this man and this woman, not only did they know their needs, they presented them boldly. And I think you and I are being invited into the same thing. We're going to be invited to look at our own stories. We're being invited to look at our hurts and our needs and our limitations. And we're then invited to boldly ask God to do something miraculous with it. To bring healing in an unexpected way. To healing into things that feel hopeless. My wife and I and my family right now are facing something extraordinarily uh, challenging. Our nanny, I've, I've got three kids, a 10, an 8, and a 6-year-old. Uh, we've had this nanny almost in the decade, and that means I don't know life as a dad without her in it, right? Like the support she provides, the care she provides, the love she provides, who she is as a human, we call her our little angel. She is just one of those people who gives endlessly and sacrificially and selflessly. She is an angel. A few weeks ago, she tested, she got COVID, and that led her to go into the hospital, into the ER, which then developed into uh, her being on oxygen, which then developed her being into uh, a ventilator, which then led to her being intubated, which led into her being into a coma. And she is currently on 100% oxygen. Sorry. On Tuesday, last Tuesday, my wife and I are in the hospital room, and the doctor says it's hopeless. Zero hope. COVID has done such profound damage to her lungs that she will not be able to breathe on her own, ever. So my wife and I do, we feel this invitation to pray and to pray boldly. I have, you know, so we pray, Jesus, put our hands on her body. We ask the Lord to bring healing to her, to bring wholeness to her, to help her breathe again. We prayed the prayer that our son prayed last night, my six-year-old, who said, God, can you do a miracle? Y'all have no idea how that ends, right? I have absolutely no idea if God is going to heal her or not. But he's calling us to lean into that with boldness. 
He's calling us to lean in with boldness to expect as we move towards the goodness of God that God will heal. But we have to be honest. And this fourth point is the honesty part, right? God's healing is mysterious. It's mysterious. Sometimes he heals immediately like he did with the hemorrhaging woman. Sometimes he heals in like a delayed way like he did with Jairus' daughter. But the reality is, is y'all, we don't know it, what God will do sometimes, right? We don't know how things will happen and how things will unfold, but we're called to live into them boldly. We're called to live into it with asking God, here's our need, here is the thing I want healed. Here's the thing I want whole. Lord, may your kingdom come into this space. But we don't know how these things unfold. And y'all, in our honest moments, and this is where I get to be honest because I have a microphone and I get paid to be a Christian. And even still, it frustrates the heck out of me that I don't know what God's up to. It frustrates me that I have no idea what's going to happen. My limitations to control outcomes is a terrible thing. I hate it. But it also makes me really frustrated with the Lord, right? Like, I look at him and I'm like, Lord, I want to know when and how she's going to be healed. And I know you all feel the same way. We want to know when and how these things are going to be made whole again. And the frustrating thing is God is so annoying because he will not let us be God. (laughs) It's the worst, isn't it? He simply will not let us be God. And y'all, I think that's the point of this story. I think we can think this story is about miraculous healing, but I think this story is about trust. I think the story is about trusting in the goodness of God. Trusting that God is who he says he is, is the beginning of new life. Sin came into this world because we didn't trust in the goodness of God. And of course, sin is going to leave this world because we trust in the goodness of God. Everything flows from this. This is how we end the cycles of pain and sin and destruction and violence, right? Because this is how this works. Sin tells us that God isn't good, so you're on your own, and so you hurt me, and I hurt you, then you go hurt somebody else, and the cycle goes on and on and on, and instead of peace, we have discord. Instead of unity, we have division. And that's sin. That's the brokenness that you and I have inherited that we pass on to others, and God wants to heal us of that. He wants to make us whole again, but the only way we lean into that is if we trust in the goodness of God. This is why Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, do not fear, but believe. Do not fear, but believe. Jesus understood that belief in the goodness of God was the launching point for the kingdom of God. Believing that God is good and who he says he is, is what launches us towards the whole life. It's what launches us towards the flourishing life, the life full of healing and wholeness. Belief and the trust in the goodness of God is what takes the things that are bent and makes them straight again. It's the things that, t- that are broken and makes them whole again. And Jesus says, do not fear but believe, y'all. That is our prayer today. It needs to be our prayer every single day. God, increase our faith. Help us believe. Help us believe in your goodness, God. May you increase your faith in us. May our faith increase in you. May our faith increase in the goodness of God so that we can move towards wholeness and healing and experience the reality that we only find healing when we trust in the healer. There's no other way.
We only find healing when we trust in the healer. And that's God's invitation to us to lean into that today. And we only can ask God to help us with that. Amen? Amen.